Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. I love sharing things like my iPad and music stand with my kids. It's like when they come and steal all my socks. They adjust things or they drive our vehicles and you get in and the seats all moved around. Being a bigger guy, that's a big deal. Some of you might not appreciate that. Jonathan, I know you can appreciate this. There's nothing worse than thinking you're going to jump quickly into vehicle. Jeff, I know you know how this feels. And realizing that your tiny little wife or whoever your child was was driving it and now you are, well, bleeding from the head somewhere. Um, I had a rough week, speaking of bleeding, um, and still I'm full of gratitude. I was, I was hauling some hay this week and just in the nature of farming, sometimes you're in a hurry to, I don't know, get a great big trailer off a of highway so you don't get run over. And I walked up, and I unchained a gate, and I threw the gate open, but in my rush, I missed the fact that there was that one wrap of chain around something else. And so, of course, as I shoved the gate away from me, that uh, two-and-a-half-foot-long chunk of 3 h chain came right around, smacked me square on the lip, and, uh, and I thought, I just, I just lost a tooth. I was so sure that as I spit the blood out, that there would be a hole in my, in my lovely smile. And... Um, <laughs> And I know it's a big deal. I know I need to smile more, but being toothless in my smile would not help my, uh, my overall sometimes gruff appearance. And uh, so as I stood there with blood-soaked beard and T-shirt going, you know, why did I rush? I just, I just felt like, well, at least I can be grateful that I didn't get hit in the, I don't know, eyeball, because that would have hurt too. Uh, and I wish that was the end of the pain, but it wasn't. So I had, a, I had a week where just about every, well, at least a third of my body was either bruised, ripped, torn, broken, bleeding. Somehow I avoided stitches in a trip to the hospital, so that's, that's lovely. Um, the title of today's message is Gratitude. I know, mind-blowing, profound on Thanksgiving weekend. I know that's profound. And I know that none of you were expecting it. All right, Josh, Josh Street, you weren't expecting this at all, were you? No, no, not at all. But, uh, you know, it's a nod. It's a nod to this holiday and... Uh, frankly, a holiday that politically, socio-politically in the landscape could really come under fire. Uh, but, but, but gratitude should always be removed from politics. Because no matter how much wrong goes in this world, man, there is some right that goes with it too. And, uh, and, and so as we look back on the history of our nation and all of its problems and all of its brokenness like every other nation on this planet, man, do we have some things to be thankful for. We really do have things to be thankful for. And so uh, gratitude, you say, well, how does that fit into your series building? Well, let me tell you how it fits. Gratitude and building can go together anywhere, just like plaid and cowboy boots. Um, good for weddings, good for church, good for work, good for, it's good for anything. Um, without gratitude, none of us will be able to hold on to the thought or to what God wants to do in our church. Without gratitude, you are not... Let me just, I'm just going to be really forward about a few things this morning. If you cannot cultivate gratitude in your heart, you will not be able to hold on in this church. This church will spin you off the side like the weak kid on a merry-go-round. It will, I'm telling you. And what's coming, if you cannot cultivate gratitude in your heart, the enemy will rip you to shreds. He will, he will put you to the outside. He will isolate you. He will intimidate you. And he will throw you off of this ride faster than you can blink. And the reason why I want to share this with you this morning is because I want to fireproof our lives. 
against the lie, against the trickery of the enemy. And by the way, as we go through this, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to foreshadow a couple of things. I want you, if, if you have time, and I know a guy like Daniel Cram, he, he actually, if I say, hey, read the whole chapter, he texts me by like Wednesday. Hey, I read everything from Sunday, and this is for some of you who doubt. He says, what you said was bang on. So that's good. He's not here this morning, but if you're watching online, Daniel, thank you for the nod uh, and the uh, encouragement. But, but everywhere that the Bible deals with gratitude, the context that you'll find that in is defending the believer from a whole bunch of religion and a whole bunch of really kind of weird, coming from a weird place, uh, uh, thoughts or attacks or doctrines or philosophies that are trying to take these new believers and put them back into some form of religion. It's, it's really weird, but if you, if you would just take me at my word, that's fine. But I would actually prefer that you, you actually did the research for yourself and read your Bible for yourself. But you will find that throughout the New Testament, in so many places where it talks about gratitude, it's right there smack dab in the middle of controversy. And sometimes we think that, yeah, I'm going to suffer, and that's gratitude will help me with my suffering. It will help you. Gratitude will help you with everything. But, but you've got to understand that where, where the Lord inspired Scripture to speak to gratitude, to giving thanks in our life, is in the midst of difficult times staying on course. Difficult times staying on course. And uh, I'll try to fill that in. I'm, I am trying to expedite things just a little bit today, uh, knowing that it's a long weekend and we all have family plans. But, uh, well, here, here's the way it is. Gratitude is to life what square-toe cowboy boots are to a wardrobe. Yeah. Someone actually said what? Playing right into my hands. Some of you say, what do you mean, Pastor Trav? And my response to you is, are you even saved? Like, have you met Jesus? What do you mean? Square-toed cowboy boots are, are to, you know, to the wardrobe what gratitude. No, I mean it. Like, square-toed cowboy boots go with everything. They do. Shorts. <laughs> bathrobes. Weddings. Plaid. Jeans. Dress slacks. Skirts. I mean... Square-toed cowboy boots, uh, someone recently who was taking our Next Steps course came to me one day and said, um, I can't find in the church manual, which was funny that he called it that, but I'm like, okay, uh, I can't find in the manual where it says that for men it's a requirement to wear plaid and square-toed cowboy boots in this church. And I said to him, it's on page 16. <laughs> it's not. It was just a joke. But, uh, you know, it, gratitude is... is to life, maybe the most fundamentally um, necessary heart, attitude, mindset to cultivate in is because, well, here's, okay, here's a better analogy maybe. Gratitude is like salt. Gratitude is like salt, okay? And, and gratitude is not the solution for every problem in life, like square-toed cowboy boots are, because square-toed cowboy boots do have limitations, like playing volleyball. It is hard to play volleyball in square-toed cowboy boots, but basketball, not a problem. Um, soccer, especially, they're handy. But volleyball is a little bit difficult to play in square-toed cowboy boots. So it's not the perfect analogy, but, but maybe, maybe salt is. Here's what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving. Someone say, with thanksgiving. 
present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. All right. Some of you have been in church so long that you missed the value of this little passage, and I know that because it happens to me too. Um, I get played out and tired and start to grumble, uh, and then I seem to be able to find logical faults with all kinds of people. Then the Holy Spirit lovingly slaps me upside the head with the thought, should you be thankful right now? And I don't know about you, but God speaks to me, uh, not, not audibly, but, but most of the time when God speaks to me, it's almost just a teeny bit sarcastic. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if some of you might have a hard time with that, but uh, God is often talking to me with a rightly condescending chuckle, because God does transcend me, so I don't mind that he you know, laughs at me in a, in a lovingly condescending sort of way. Um, but he, he kind of just throws the thought at me. The Holy Spirit does, well, shouldn't you be thinking? But Lord, I'm busy complaining about, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, Trav, but shouldn't you be thankful? That's why I call it a loving slap upside the head. And by the way, for our part, the conversation should go like this. Um, and this is how it goes in my life. Lord, you're right. I'm sorry. Please help me to change the way I think. Now just If you would just do that every time you get convicted, I can tell you from my very extensive experience in being wrong. My very extensive experience in being wrong. That your life will go better becoming like Jesus. If we're quick to repent, if we're quick to respond to the Holy, not to people's outside judgments, but to the internal conversation the Holy Spirit wants to have with you every waking moment of your life. And he says, hey, shouldn't you be thankful? Yes, Lord, you're right. I'm sorry. Would you help me to change? I have to say that driving more than anywhere else, just so you know. Um, so I have some work still. I'm not, I'm not there. Remember, we're in a process of perfection. We're not perfect yet. But that conversation should look something like that. Acknowledge, correct, turn from sin. And uh, the thing is, is that a failure in the area of gratitude is actually sin. See, when the Lord says, Trav, shouldn't you be thankful? One time I made the mistake in church of saying, God told me, God called me Pastor Trav. And uh, Shirley Holmquist probably still hasn't let me live that down to this day. So I'm careful now to say, when God says to me, he calls me Pastor Trev. He didn't call me Pastor. But um, I need you to understand that failing to live in gratitude is sin. It is sin. And I know that's hard for us to hear sometimes because we don't like being told that something in our life is sin. But, well, I'm anointed to give this message today, apparently. And a lack of gratitude in your life is sin. And I'm going to show you that in the next passage of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're not giving thanks in all circumstances, you are missing the mark of God's standard for your life. True story. Now, don't worry. It, it doesn't mean that you are... Uh, that you're condemned, it doesn't mean you're cast off. It means that you're pretty much human still. And we do sin, and we make mistakes, and we get it wrong, and hopefully you have gotten saved and stopped robbing liquor stores, because that would be a really good sin to start with. 
if you have a propensity for robbing liquor stores or daycares or doing horrible things like that, I mean, yeah, turn from that sin. But the problem is, is the more like Jesus we become, the smaller the sin it is that offends us. Some of you know what that's like because as you're getting closer to Jesus, something that seemed to be such a small issue now is such a major issue in your life. And, and that's the nature of being made holy. It's the nature of the process of perfection is those things that we, we still do, we really hate them more than the initial things that were honestly far worse. And so if you're able to hear it this morning, a lack of gratitude in your life is actually an issue of sin in your life. The good news is it's very, very easy to fix. And the conversation should look something like, thank you, Lord. You're right. I'm sorry. Help me to change. No altar call. No going to see a counselor. No need to book a pastoral appointment. Just, God, you're right. I'm sorry. Please help me to change. Got it? The way they used to do it in Bible college was get it, got it, good. So if I say get it, you're supposed to say got it. Get it? Good. Just like that. Okay? So, choose to be joyful at all times. Never stop praying. Give thanks in every situation. Gratitude has the same effect on our lives that salt has on food. Here's a better analogy than cowboy boots. First of all, you can never have too much salt. True story. Now, Jana, Danita's saying amen, and I see Jana waving her hand, because Jana's the nurse, and Jana, like, I might be the spiritual care person for our church, Jana Kent is the physical care person in our church. She cares very much about your health, what you're putting into your body, she cares about all those things. She cares that you stay healthy, and so right away, I, I, Jana, forgive me, but I pictured you this morning going, wait a second, here's the, no, she is Dutch, so she does like, like salted licorice, she loves it. The truth is you can ingest too much salt. You, you can. You can ingest. Like if you are eating a salt shaker full of salt with every meal, you are going to have physical problems in your body. You can ingest too much salt. But let me tell you this. If you have a pantry and you have 100 pounds of salt in your pantry at all times, you will never be sad. Right? Tell me you can have too many bags of Doritos in your pantry. Yes? Okay. Some of you can. Okay. Emery obviously doesn't like Doritos. Boo. <laughs> Emery, boo. You pick the thing you like that's salty and delicious and convince me that you actually would be complaining if there was just one more bag still. Just one more bag. Uh, of course, I go to restaurants, I put salt into my hand and then lick the salt out of my hand once in a while. So um, I, feel I need it, I, I guess. I don't know. Um, but so what, what, is, what is it that's about salt? I mean, obviously the Bible, you are the salt of the earth, right? If the salt loses its saltiness, what's it good for? Just to be trampled underfoot. Um, salt is, a, is a historically, to mankind, is a valuable, valuable chemical compound. We've used it for many generations, for many things. If you don't have enough salt, your body will stop working. You'll, you'll, you won't be able to retain water at all and you'll become dehydrated and you will ultimately die for a lack of salt. So obviously it's important there. Um, salt has the ability to flavor things. Salt has the ability to preserve things. And gratitude works the same way. See, gratitude has the ability to flavor attitudes in your life. True story. Gratitude flavors attitudes in your heart. Uh, gratitude preserves hearts. 
Now, I wouldn't recommend using salt to preserve your heart while you're using your heart. Um, but you don't need it for that. Strangely enough, salt coming into your body is largely a part of what keeps your heart pumping properly. Okay? Um, salt is beneficial for drawing things out of the body that shouldn't be there. Because salt literally can help draw infection out of the body. It can, it can assist in getting foreign element, foreign, or, uh, foreign what you, objects out of, out of the body in certain applications and times and places. I mean, to this day, salt is saline solution is one of the most commonly used things in medicine. Salt is a big deal. You've heard the old expression, that's like rubbing salt on the wound. And we all think that's like some kind of torture. But historically, that expression actually comes from its use in medicine throughout many ancient cultures. Salt is still common today, and gratitude like salt is beneficial for our lives. And that is why it's mentioned so many times in Scripture. And it is mentioned many, many, many times in Scripture. In fact, I would go so far as to say, without doing all my research, but I would go so far as to say, topically speaking, especially in the New Testament, gratitude or thanksgiving or giving thanks is something that is mentioned as a, as a component as many times as anything else, if not more. It is everywhere through all of Paul's writings. Gratitude keeps showing up. Thanksgiving keeps... It, it just keeps showing up, and that is because it is like gratitude is to the believer what salt is to the body. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says, So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanks, thankfulness. Not just a little bit thankful, not just some gratitude, but overflowing with thankfulness. And it's profitable, as I said before, to consider the surrounding context of these verses because it seems to me that every place where thanksgiving is required or encouraged or being taught on, it is in the middle of a conversation where there are attempts being made to derail the progress of a believer. Everywhere where you'll find it. It's in the middle, it, the, the context is always in the middle of, of dealing with arguments and dealing with disruptive people and dealing with, with just the, the difficult situations we experience in life and, and the processes of people becoming more like Jesus. It's, it's a frustrating, it's a, it's a long process. And in the middle of it all, we keep getting the word, give thanks, be thankful, offer with thanksgiving, show some gratitude. And that doesn't help that the Holy Spirit constantly is lovingly slapping me upside the head saying, hey, shouldn't you be thankful right now? And trust me, this past week alone, funny that the week you're preparing messages, you'll have a thousand reasons to be anything but full of gratitude. But time and time again, I've seen this pattern play over and over and over. If you just read Colossians chapter 2 this week, you'll find this like smack dab in the middle of the conversation. Now, it's actually verse 6, and there are 20-some, maybe even 30 verses in the chapter, but, um, but right there in the middle of how to avoid being sucked into religious thinking and living, there it is, overflowing with thankfulness. Because it's the part that guards our heart. Gratitude guards your heart. Now, I know I read the verse that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But how did we get there? How do you become a receptacle for the peace of God? 
How do you become a vessel that receives God's peace? Well, with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Gratitude. And it's as much a part of what you believe and what you pray for and what you think on as any other thing in your life could be. Gratitude is key. Gratitude is the salt. You never have too much of it available to you. It's not the solution to all the problems. You know, like if I have a really difficult, if Ed is being really, really difficult, it's not going to solve the problem for me to go to Ed and say, Ed, I'm just so thankful for you. But it is a part of the relationship and it's a part of the process of restoring and healing a rift that could be between two people. Because if you're truly unthankful for someone, why would you need to be reconciled to them? By the way, Ed almost never gives me a hard time. Like even for fun, he just doesn't do it. He, Ed honors me probably more than I deserve to be honored. But there's gratitude in the relationship, and because there's gratitude in the relationship, it's really hard for the enemy to get a toehold in there. Have you noticed that in your life? The thing you're thankful for, your joy for that thing cannot be taken away from you until you're no longer grateful. Kids, you can observe this at Christmas time, they open their new toy, and they are so excited by that new toy. Aren't they? Annika still is. Barbies. That sort of thing. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't play with Barbies anymore. Kids open their present. They open their toy. They're so excited. It's the greatest thing in the world. But that begins to wear off, and soon they don't care for it. They don't like it, unless someone else wants it. And then the war is on. And this happens exactly in the church. It happens exactly this way with grown-ups who should know better. Everybody gets their new position, their new thing, the new thing God's, oh, everybody's so excited and it's so good. But when that wears off, if there is not gratitude, the enemy has a toehold. And he will come in and he will kill and steal and destroy. So gratitude fireproofs our hearts and it fireproofs a church. It fire, it, man, gratitude can fireproof your business and your marriage. It can. It can fireproof your relationships. Because somehow we function so much better. We invite the blessing of God. We actually can invoke and move the hand of God because of gratitude. Because of thanksgiving. This is why we're to be overflowing with thankfulness. If you picture a vessel, a water vessel, and it's continually being filled to overflowing, there's not much room for anything else to get in there. And even if something does get in there, it's flowed out. Right? You just flow it out because it's an overflowing thing in your life. And if gratitude is always flowing out of you, there's not much bad that's going to be able to flow into you. It's in part what guards our heart. Gratitude is a part of receiving things so that they are consecrated by the Word of God. Here's what 1 Timothy 4, 3-5 says. They forbid, once again... They forbid. So the context of 1 Timothy chapter 4 is dealing with religious people who want to entrap believers into religious thinking and living. Once again, and you're going to see once again that there is this idea that gratitude or thanksgiving is introduced into this conversation. Why? Because once again, a heart that is filled with thanksgiving is impermeable to the attacks of the enemy, whether it comes by spirit or by the flesh through another person. It's vitally important that we understand this, this, this little piece of what God is doing in our lives because of Jesus. 
First Timothy, they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Nothing is to be rejected. Nothing needs to be rejected when we are overflowing with thanksgiving in our lives. See, it's the religious entrapment. You can't do this. You have to do that. You must. You must. I mean, if you read 1 Timothy 4, you'll see the context once again. People trying to, be, trying to enslave believers in other ways of thinking. You can't eat that. If you eat that, you're not really a Christian. Oh, if you do that, you're out of the club. And the apostles writing and giving an instruction to Timothy saying, hey man, listen, everything God made is good. And it stays good. So receive it with thanksgiving. And allow it to be consecrated by the word of God. And prayer, which means what? Conversation with God. Because everything God does is good, you guys. This land project, everything God does is good. What God builds is good. What God invites us to be a part of building is good. God never got two people married. It was never a bad idea. Now there's complications that follow that. I have been in the counseling chair enough times to know that a lack of gratitude gets them there. One side or the other, both sides, whatever. The dissatisfaction we experience in life often is linked to our inability to show thanks to God for what he has done. And you'll forgive me if I hammer this and rail on this this morning. But I'm not exaggerating the necessity of thanksgiving in our lives. It is this necessary. And it actually does have this kind of power attached to it. So if there's only one thing you'll hear me say today, and I sincerely mean that, if you block everything else out, please don't block out this last part. And I hope you get all of it somehow. But if there's just one thing, I want you to get this. You ought to be thankful because God is good. Argue if you want. But you ought to be thankful because God is good. And I know that every one of, in this room, one of us in this room could offer a circumstance or a situation we're facing right now where gratitude is difficult. The job, the family, the husband, the wife, the kids, the opportunities missed, the things we're waiting on, hoping that God's going to come through and we're not sure he ever will. Battling with the prophetic words we received in our lives, wondering if it will ever come to pass that besetting sin that you just can't seem to get victory over. All of these things scream at us to say, you don't have to be thankful for this. That is the enemy. The Scripture over and over and over again invites us to be thankful. In all things. And for all things. First Chronicles 16.34, this sums it up kind of perfectly for me. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord because he's good. 
If for some reason that's not enough for you today, I just want to invite you to stick around for a while and experience the Heavenly Father that I know. Because regardless of my setbacks and my situations, regardless of the hopelessness I see around me, regardless of the failures I see around me, because of me in some cases, I'm convinced to the core of my being that God is good. He is so good. And I'm so grateful that his love endures forever. And that's it. He's good. And I know him to be good. And I know that he's worthy of praise and honor and glory. We got to know this morning how important it is to live a life in gratitude at all times, in all things. Worship team, you can come back. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says it, just thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. What is that? It's indescribable. This is This is the problem for those of us who walk this earth struggling with gratitude. Heaven is going to be hell for you. Yeah, I just said it that way. Because if you don't like the idea of gratitude now, what do you think you're going to do in heaven? Seriously, think. just, just it's profitable to think on this for a moment this morning. If you don't like cultivating gratitude in your heart here on earth, what are you going to do in heaven? Where continually, both night and day, day after day, for eternity, there is gratitude, there is thanksgiving rising to the throne of God for all the ages to come. And then it hit me. The practice of gratitude in this life is preparation for heaven. It's training for heaven. It's training for the limitless wonders that God has stored up for us on the other side of this life. And when Paul writes, thank God for this indescribable gift, I believe this is what he's pointing at. Because the short, the short answer was Jesus. But isn't it more? Like, isn't it all that Jesus brings to the table? It's not just Jesus. It's not just a velvet picture. Man, when we cleaned out the church land last week and we got into that barn, I saw a picture of Jesus. And I'm just like, Please, Holy Spirit, let that not be the Jesus we're worshiping. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. He's the whitest Jesus I've ever seen. (laughs) Thank you, God. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. It's a tragedy if that just stops at Jesus. Because there is something inherently eternal about discovering who Jesus is. And that is what we will be doing the other side of this life. The limitless wonders of glory and heaven. All the things that God has created. No more worrying about death or sickness or sin. But also, not worrying about time. Somebody say amen to that one. (laughs) I can't wait for heaven. No more clock. 
No more push. I got to get this done. Otherwise, I'm going to be out of time. But we're here. And the time is now. And I want to invite you this morning to consider this. If you do not know God in a way that causes your heart to be filled with gratitude every day of your life, I would submit to you that maybe you don't know him yet the way you need to know him. Maybe you're a deist. Maybe you're someone, yeah, I believe there's a God, but you've never actually taken the step that the Bible puts in front of us, which is to turn from our sin and to become a follower of Jesus. Because Jesus is the only way that we can ever get back to relationship with our Heavenly Father. He is the begotten of God. He is not a separate being from God. He is an individual person within the Godhead, and God begat him. That means God took out of himself God and placed him in flesh so that he could identify with our suffering, our struggle, our impotence, our failures, our weakness, so that he could deal with all of the pressure of all of those things and become the only one qualified to say, I walked in their shoes and I stayed sinless, so now I can take their sin for them. That's how it works and that's the gospel. It's the good news about what Jesus has done. And maybe this morning you need to renew that commitment. Maybe you need to make that commitment for the first time, but this is a place you can do that. We'd love to talk with you about it. We're going to close the service in a little bit more of a rowdy fashion today. Often we give you a little more time to reflect, and we maybe slow the music down. And I know sometimes it might seem like we're creating an emotional atmosphere for you, but we're not. We're just trying to give you a space so you can think before you rush on with your day. But today we're going to sing something a little more upbeat as we close this service. I thank God. And I'd love for you this morning to take me up on this challenge to live a life filled with gratitude, to know the life of peace that comes with thanksgiving in all things, in every moment, in every circumstance, to cultivate, to choose in our hearts, to say, I will not give in to the lack of gratitude, but I will become a person who overflows with it. And if you'd like prayer during a rowdy song, we're going to be here. The prayer team's still going to be here this morning. And you can come in a rowdy song or in a quiet song to get prayer in this church. It doesn't matter. So let's stand together. I want to pray for you. We're going to sing this last song, and then we're going to enjoy this amazing Thanksgiving weekend with the beautiful weather, the beautiful skies, the beautiful season that we're in. Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. And Lord Jesus, I pray by your spirit that we would receive in our hearts today the work that you want to do. Holy Spirit, help us to be open to your leading, to your call on our lives. Lord, let your presence fill us once again and dwell within us in a way that overflows. Holy Spirit, teach us gratitude. Teach us thanksgiving in a new way pray in Jesus name. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.